that you're born an Italian if you want your life to be great. See that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm John Viola. My partner in crime, the Notorious P.O.B., Patrick O'Boyle, is with me today, and we have a very special episode coming at you, a, a nice new initiative that I... Is Notorious a positive? I feel like I'm a bandit. <laughs> like, I, like, I'm a cowboy. Like, I'm, I'm in are, 1950s, yeah. 60s Western. Like you know when, the, when, the, when they went color, but they went really color, that kind of dull color movie? They are mostly filmed in Italy. Like the sound and music kind of stuff is kind of dull. That's what I yeah. feel like I'm notorious. But that's not bad. I like that kind of desaturated look, actually. Those are the movies I like, yeah. I'm, uh, the Notorious B.I.G. Wasn't Biggie notorious? He sure was. So I'm going to be notorious. And you are approaching notoriety, I think. Hey, because what is notorious but notoriety? Wow, see, John? It always said thank you. That's very kind of you. Etymologically, I keep, keep the that's... Keep the SAT words coming. <laughs> I, can't, I can't handle this Zoom. I, I was saying this before. I had to get download upgrade Zoom. And John was my whole screen. I hit a button, and now you're a postage stamp up in the corner. I can't even see you. I know. It's really – it is a bit of a adaptive technology. Sometimes this works. I'm not going back to the studio. John wants to go back to the studio. I ain't going back. Wait I'm wait till you back. see the studio I'm building. You're going to want to be back there. Yeah, but I don't want to be bothered. Go in to New York, park. You know what I'm getting you? I'm getting you a, a one of those old uh, water coolers, but instead I'm going to put that uh, menta that you like to drink. Oh, I love that menta Freda. That's the That's auto grill. D.O.C. It's just going to be for you. I'm getting an input. I'm just for you. It's going to be sitting next to your chair. I would rather a horse and wagon. You know, like a handsome cab <laughs> drive me through the tunnel into Manhattan. You're going to love this place. You're going to. We're, we're working on a secret new studio that I think everybody's going to love. And I think the great part of it is it's going to be a chance for people to come actually be there with us. Isn't that what they made the atom bomb in a secret studio, too? That's not we're, always we're, uh... we're kind of working in the same highly hush hush fashion. But uh I think the audience out there, particularly those who've been listening for a long time, they're going to want to come and be a part of what we're doing and uh, and see this. It's going to be really special. So uh, I, I'm building everybody a little space there where it's catered to their needs. So you tell me what you want to. I know you said you want to hang in Kasha Kavala. And you, uh, I want a piece of cheese hanging off the ceiling that I can take off, cut, and put back on. <laughs> That's absolutely, I would absolutely have it. I don't even know if I would do it that often. I just want the option. It's a good option to have. And I like beverages, not yeah, alcohol, like, like seltzer water. I'm a big seltzer water person. I know everybody's likes. I know everybody's meta. meta. That's true, Don. You're very good like that. I know. I try to be. I try to make sure we all have. You got to get us like, um, you know, like they had in the hunting club in Rome, one of the guys in livery with a tray. <laughs> with a tray on? Si, senor. Oh, that we, I don't know if we could recreate that. That was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. If anybody out there has ever been. It's quite a place. Yeah, but I mean, why don't you get livery, get knee breeches with the emblem of the podcast on them? And red, white, and green. Everything could be. Yeah, You're speaking of red, white, and green. You know what I learned yesterday? It's amazing. I was doing work with Ernie Rossi, and we found a box from the 70s of the my favorite hat. I call it the feast hat. It's the red, white, and green pinwheel with the big pom-pom on top, and the, it, you know, it kind of looks like a newsboy cap. And It is your favorite hat, yes. If you see pictures of feasts from the 70s and 80s, nine out of ten times people are wearing them, and... They're harder to come by now. There's like low quality ones made in China available on Amazon. But I we found a box of them from the 80s in pristine condition. Had not been opened in 30 something years. Old new stock. Old new stock. My favorite phrase and yours. And I said to Ernie, I'm like, Ernie, you know, I love these things. Do people still ask after them? And he said, oh, people come in looking for them all the time. They have pictures on their phone from Instagram, this and that. He said, you know, 
my father invented these. I said, what do you mean? He said, my father went to a factory. I think it was in Queens or New Jersey back then. And they were making these pinwheeled hats for sports teams and colleges and stuff. And he saw one on the mannequin and he said, oh, could you get me that in red, white, and green? I think it'd be great. But, but. So they made him up a bunch of samples and he brought it back. And Ernie and Ernie's mother were in the store and they laughed him out of the store. They're like, nobody's going to wear this. It looks crazy, blah, 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 blah. And sure enough, the feast came around in September, and he said they sold out in the first day, the whole stock that they'd ordered. And they had to reorder them, and just every year after that, it was a big staple. And I worked the feast with them last year, and still, we had a lot of people come up, and I had a vintage one on my head, and they would say, oh, can I get one of those? And, you know, it, it's a desirable – so the feast hat, which I think is the official headwear of the Italian-American uh, nostalgic community, it was invented at Ernie Rossi and Company. Now, question, what was his inspiration? See, they used to have these ones for, like, college games. You know, the, the students would wear uh, them. And, yeah. Right, yeah, when they used to wear the beaver coats. And, yeah, exactly. Know, yeah, have yeah. the pennants yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, so, you know, like the Gatsby hat. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, because you know what? His father would have been of that generation. Exactly, yeah, going to games in the 20s and stuff. If he was, I mean. But is that had, is that a New York, New Jersey thing? Like, Connecticut? I don't know. It's a great question. Like, do people in Ohio wear that hat? Phenomenal question. If you're out there in the audience and you uh, have fond recollections of a feast in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and, and you know the hat I'm talking about, I use it on everything. Let us know. Maybe we could make that the Italian yarmulke. <laughs> like you could, you know, there's another Italian because they're walking around with the hat on. That's the sign of the tribe. I would, I would wear it every day. If I Why don't you promote it as the Italian yarmulke? I should, I should do that. That's, if it, That's like definitely the headwear of the podcast for sure. But then you could put buttons on it from where you're from in Italy, the Saint Society, Unico stuff. Yeah, yeah. Customize it, yeah. Yeah, you could customize because Italians could not all wear the same hat. Yeah, that, hey, it's my. They, hey, they'd have to. It's my version of Italian. I mean, some people. Why do people? If you're out there listening, why would you listen to this conversation? Maybe if you were on a bus and you overheard us, I could see if you've got nothing else going on. <laughs> why would you stop your day? I give you guys a lot of credit. That's why I love you all. I'm so happy when you contact me. I'm like, oh my god, why would you listen to this? Short of morbid curiosity, what's the attraction? Morbid curiosity. <laughs> They're talking. What do they tell? They're talking about making an Italian yarmulke. I think it's a great idea with the pom-pom. Somebody told us we went to a meeting of the 55 largest Italian-American groups in the country this weekend. And a gentleman from Syracuse came up and said he was a listener of the show. And his favorite thing was when you interrupt me, he told me, which I was like, oh, well, thank you very much. I'm really I got so many backhanded compliments from people. <laughs> uh, you should be diagnosed. I had a brother who was like you. They got him medicated. And now he's OK. I mean, you know that. Yeah. I'm like, OK, thank you very much. Uh, makes a difference. But Stephanie, if you're out there. Oh, yes. Yeah, Stephanie did diagnose you on her. One of our Stephanie one of our from the new neighborhood. Yes. The neighborhood. Yes, yeah, she did. She sure did. Yes. She gave me all kinds of diagnoses. She wasn't wrong. Uh, Thank you, John. <laughs> well, I have it too. But you know what? It's I think that everybody's listening because each listener out there has their own version of this Italian American experience. And you know, we try to talk about everything under the sun, even if it's not something that we're experts in. We try to bring in the experts. If it's something we know intimately, we can have these conversations just like we would at our own table. And that concept of of Italianness and Italianita it is really personal. And our guest today is coming in actually from Puglia, Italy right now. Uh, she is an Australian expat living in Puglia. She is a writer. She is a, an expert on Italy and Italian real estate market. And she is the founder and editor of La Dolce Vita Lifestyle magazine. And now Nikki Taylor is behind a new initiative 
that we are very excited about and want to get involved in called My Italy. So I'm really happy to welcome all the way from Puglia, Nikki Taylor to the Italian American podcast to share with us this great initiative. So Nikki, welcome aboard. Thank you so much for having me. As you just said, I'm from Australia. I've been living in Italy for the last eight years, living in Puglia since 2017. And my predominant business per se is helping overseas buyers purchase their dream property in Italy. And, you know, given that I've lived in Italy for such a long time, I was here throughout the pandemic. And when the pandemic struck and I saw, you know, all too well from like working in the real estate and holiday industries, the impact that the pandemic had on Italy, local businesses, the economy that thrives on tourism. So myself and the publishing legend, Bob Guccioni Jr. and my PR consultant, Caroline Chirichella. Is that the Bob Guccioni I think it is? It sure is. Oh, Madonna, mate. Oh, Madonna. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Yeah. Father Carmine, cover your ears. <laughs> yeah. We're getting racy here. We were keeping this place so PG. <laughs> I didn't see this one. See, Nikki, they don't tell me anything. I don't even know who you are. John keeps me locked in a cage. He sets up the shows. He takes me out of here a little bit, and then they lock me up again for another week. <laughs> this is totally PG. So we are working on a campaign called My Italy, which is a feel-good campaign we're going to do on Instagram. We're launching it next Friday the 5th from 9 a.m. Um, New York time. And to really ask people who have not just Italian um, heritage, because, you know, I don't have Italian heritage, but I absolutely love Italy. People who have a love for Italy as to share what Italy means to them, because everyone has a personal with Italy and what it means for them, either from a growing up, having Italian roots, maybe coming to Italy on holiday, maybe living here. Italy has that impact over people all over the world. And we want to create this global ripple effect of positivity for Italy and ask people to share a small video on their Instagram as to what Italy means to them and to tag on Instagram the My Italy campaign. But not only that, encourage your followers to do the same. So it's really like creating like videos of of love and positivity for Italy to try to raise awareness. So that is exactly what we are launching next Friday. And it's going to be super exciting. Nikki, let me ask you something. How did you wind? I mean, I'm assuming that you're like a real Australian, an Aussie Australian, not a hyphenated Australian. Am I correct? Well, I've got UK nationality as well. So I have a bit of a hybrid accent. I'm like half Aussie, half UK. Where are you from in Australia, if I may ask? I'm from Perth, Australia. So it's like the most isolated city in the world. And I moved to the UK in 2000 and I first went to Italy in 2001 and I was completely blown away and Italy felt like home to me. And it was so weird because I haven't got any family connection with Italy. And it was like, I felt such this pull towards Italy and it was somewhere that like in my head, I was like one day I would love to live here. And then fast forward 2014, I made the move. Where was the first stop that you made in Italy? Florence. Ah, that's a good one for people. People love Florence. Yeah. The Tuscans are are sort of very stable and I don't want to use the word welcoming in the sense of like the Southerners because the Southern welcome, especially Naples, is, is over the top. But it's a welcoming region. It's <laughs> Unless somebody steals your watch. <laughs> yeah. I was just about to say. Naples <laughs> is fantastic. 
unless somebody steals your suitcase and then then they don't like Naples anymore. Did you read that happened last week? Uh, no. Last week, some tourists. That's like reading a dog urinated on a tree. That just happened. <laughs> I know. Dog <laughs> urinates on a tree. Cover New York Times. <laughs> no, somebody steal. But you guys understand, people rob things in Naples because it's like a game. Yeah, somebody robbed a tourist. They took the watch and they found figured it was a fake and returned it to the tourist. Found the tourist returned it. Because it's a Neapolitan game. Why did he return that? Because in Naples, he said, you pulled one over on me. Yeah. I thought I stole a Rolex. It's a fake Rolex. Yeah. <laughs> ha ha. You beat me. That's a Neapolitan. It's like, ha ha. Like, I owe you a cup of coffee now because that was good. Remember that guy said to me when he tried to Mario out of money in Naples? Yeah. He said to me, you're more Neapolitan than I am. That was the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> yeah. I, I brought him down. I lived in Napoli for 15 months. I know exactly what you're talking about. Did you really? Did you really? Yeah. Why? What made you live in Naples? <laughs> That's the question. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> oh, we hear uh, it. I, I get oh, that. The way you, get, you get it more than you're letting on, lady. You get it. <laughs> Did you enjoy it? Um, Look, it's not Puglia, that's for sure, but the food is insane. So good. It is great food. Yeah. Yeah, Puglia, we were saying off mic, Puglia is like the – Especially when you go south, Puglia is so well organized and, and there's an efficiency and a, an infrastructure there. You know, Nikki, you specialize in real estate and I know you do a lot in Puglia. It seems like it's a booming market right now. Is that the case? Like it's getting out of control. Like um, we, the problem we have right now is we have so many requests, but not enough houses and the prices are skyrocketing. Wow. Yeah. Are there still deals? There is some still deals, but I mean, it depends where you want to go. And like, for example, I mean, I'm going to say this, you know, I live in Martina Franca, which is one of the most beautiful towns in the Val d'Italia, still very unknown, but Angelina Jolie filmed a film here a month ago. And when that comes out, it's going to literally put Martina Franca on the map. So here's a tip. If you want to buy in Puglia, invest in Martina Franca before it goes insanely expensive. Can you speak Bares? Bares it? No. Do you understand them? No, and I hate that because when my neighbors argue and they speak in dialect, I'm like, come on, I need you to speak in Italian so I need to understand who's in the right and who's in the wrong. <laughs> yeah, because that's even deeper down in the Salento. That, that's yeah. even tougher than Bares. Yeah. One of our co-hosts, Rose, speaks Bares. Really Moles, because town to town, they have a difference. Yeah. It's definitely the hardest of the regional languages to understand for me. Oh, hey, when I learned Calabrese dialect, that's pretty intense. Wow. We're in Calabria. Um, La Mezia Terme. And, you know, I pretended to understand when they were talking about me. So I learned everything. And then I was like acting like I didn't know any fafinta di niente. And I could <laughs> when they're talking about me. I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> Calabrese people love Australia. Yeah. Look at Joe Avati. So many of them went to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Did you grow up around Italians? Because there was people from Messina in Perth, from the area around Patti. There's a small community. No, there is, there's Italians all over Australia, but I didn't grow up around Italians at all. No. So you were really unprepared going into this. Massively unprepared. <laughs> you got to do a documentary on this because I, I think it would be hilarious. Because you come from a country where things work. Things work in Italy, just not the way you think they work. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I think when you get to know the right people, things work. And as soon as you don't think that you try to change them, that's the biggest mistake. I say to all my clients, the minute you try to think things are going to work the way you think they're going to work, you're setting yourself up for a fall. Don't bang your head against the wall, toe the line, and just do it their way. And it's the quickest way to be happy. It's a nation founded on personal relationships. It sure is. That's why the family is so intrinsic to everything. 
I used to lead trips when I was at NIAF and, you know, we would take our board of directors over or we would take our major donors or students or whatever. And I always found at the beginning that we would get, you know, somebody didn't like how the bus worked or the air conditioning. And I, I quickly realized that even now, if I give people, you know, help them plan their trips and stuff, I always lead with the caveat that if you want to go to a place that feels like a slightly exotic America, go to Montreal. If you want to go to Italy, Go to Italy and don't try to make it into America because it's you, you just can't. Yeah. You're, you're, it's apples and oranges, you know. It's just two different, totally. two different cultures. Yeah. So tell me about the post-pandemic situation right now because you know we try to be abreast. We have a lot of friends and relationships in Italy, and it had seemed for a while like things were reopening in a very positive way. The return of tourism, the final end to a lot of the struggles with the vaccination cards and things like that. And, you know, we just did an episode that aired this week where we talked about the current political crisis and all of the really difficult circumstances that Italy faces as it's about to make this this transition into in this election. And it's the heat wave and the drought and fires and the war in Ukraine and the inflation and the eventually what's going to hit is the struggle without the Russian gas and the wheat from Ukraine. And so we're just seeing a, a really, really difficult time. Where is it between... Everything dead shut down in the pandemic and the day before the pandemic. What's it closer to right now? Um, to be honest, I'm gonna ask Parisa, I'm really ignorant here. I don't watch the news. I don't follow what what's going on because it's super super depressing. And Italians love to talk about politics. Yeah. And you could be dragged down a rabbit hole very, very quickly. I just focus on helping people facilitate a dream by either buying here or investing here. The market is very buoyant. There is tourists everywhere. I mean, there are tourists, like I could hear Australian accents in Monopoly in February. Like everything's booked out. So it's great from that standpoint. There's still a lot of like catching up to do from the last couple of years that, you know, things weren't so great. Hence why we're doing this campaign to kind of like give Italy a bit of a boost. But, you know, everything is pretty much full systems go. But this is what happens every year, right? Is that they talk about COVID a lot in the off season and then as soon as summer comes they're like they pretend like it doesn't really exist yeah. everything's open and then all of a sudden october's like back into lockdown we've got all these cases another booster blah 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 and that's the, been the pattern for the last three years it is funny too because like i was reading an interesting piece this morning it was talking about the italian political stuff and it was saying you know there was a an opinion piece written i in the washington post or the times or something like that and the opinion writer was really, really down on Italy, you know, basically saying, like, Italy is falling apart and the world is following it and everything is going to go bad. And this journalist reacted to that and said, you know, Italy has weathered so much so many times, but mm-hmm. it oftentimes feels like, from the international perspective, in the non-Italian press, journalists are always writing, waiting for the other foot to drop. Mm-hmm. And I remember one winter before COVID, my wife and I were going to spend New Year's Eve in uh, Cortina. And so we landed in Venice and we decided we were going to spend a couple days in Venice. We, we booked a room and we got into the taxi to go from the airport and the driver was telling us how little tourism was going on at this point. And I said, you know, why? And he said, I guess six, seven months before they had Aqua Alta and a lot of flooding and it had been way over covered in the press and everybody around the world thought Venice was still underwater and tourism just shut down. And so we got to enjoy Venice pretty much to ourselves. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. But his point was, you know, they had about a week and a half of high water and then they repaired the damage like they have for a thousand years. 
And then the international press covered it like the whole city had sunk and nobody came and their economy got a big hit from a very valuable sector. So I oftentimes feel like the coverage internationally dissuades people from coming to Italy when, in fact, the Italians do a pretty good job of making sure, you know, up up to Italian standards, things are working, you know. I mean, things are pretty much functioning everywhere. I mean, like you go, we're we're here on holiday in, um, in Lower Salento right now. Lower Salento is not as much of a in-demand uh, place for tourism for internationals yet, but everywhere is packed. Everywhere. I mean, we just the Italians just get on with it. You know, they they're enjoying their life. They're living like Dolce Vita. They're out in the piazza. They're out having having dinners and lunches, and things are still working. I mean, like obviously it's more dramatic for to see like every Venice is, is completely going under and, and it's media, you know, it's clickbait, but people get on with it here. And I felt very proud to be an expat living in Italy when the pandemic struck, because there was such a unified community front. I was so ashamed to see how Australia was behaving with fights in supermarkets, shortage of toilet rolls, all this sort of stuff. Like you couldn't buy anything. It was like the supermarkets were empty you see in Italy, everyone kind of towed the line and they came together as a community. Italy's at its best when things are at its worst. Yeah. People rally together. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it, it's interesting because for a place that in popular conception is one of sort of, you know, bickering and uh, squabbling, the, the Italians do really come together when they have to. I was very proud to watch Italy. I really was, I have to say. And it was not the first and will not be the last time that I'm proud to see Italy rise to the occasion on the international stage. But it was as, as devastating as it was to see the impact. It was a very proud moment to see how well Italy handled mm-hmm. an unprecedented occasion, really. I mean, uh, it's... Mm-hmm. And I think even with the recovery now and the reopening and the businesses that have come back and, you know, you mentioned that your town is set to be exposed to the world through film. And I I keep thinking back to uh, the James Bond movie that filmed in Matera. And I had all these people approaching me about this amazing town they were seeing on film and how uh, shocking it was and wonderful it was. And, uh, you know, that does... We talk about it all the time, right? Puglia has benefited greatly from a, a visual-driven social media world like Instagram. What are some of the next destinations that people are going to start to uncover throughout Italy, it, be it property, tourism, whatever? I feel like I've got a massive passion for Lower Salento because it's I call it the Wild West. It's barren. It's flat. It's dry as hell. The towns look like the towns that time forgot. However, the beaches are phenomenal. I have two little kids. I take them to the beach. It's like being, they call it the Italian Maldives. It's like a giant bath. It's shallow for miles. And it's so undiscovered because people are spending all their money up in Monopoly, Ostuni, Polignano, Valditria, but being priced out of the market and it's natural progression to go a bit further south. And there is a huge opportunity down here, not only tourism-wise, real estate-wise in the lower Salento Property prices are very, very reasonable. Beautiful old palazzos, beautiful masserias. I mean, there is a a lot of a lot of potential down here. 
um, and even like other areas, you know, there's, there's, there's beauty all over Italy. There are some areas, you know, even like the Luvigiana area in Tuscany, it's not so much known as other parts of Tuscany. You can still buy beautiful two-bedroom restored townhouses for less than 100K. Wow. Places in Abruzzo, places in Lazio. Lazio is gorgeous, beautiful properties. You know, frescoed ceilings or the, the old antique palazzos, you know, and you're near Rome. I mean, there's just like so much undiscovered parts. And that's the fun part of what I do is help people really discover that. Tell us a little bit about, I think I cut you off when you said Abruzzo. Where are people going there? Vasto. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. And, you know, the great thing about Abruzzo is you have the mountains and you have the sea. You've got the best of both worlds. And they're nice people. They're no trouble. Yeah. John John liked it so much he married one. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I did. As for, we're going to be over there for the month in September. And uh, we have a wedding of a, a very, very dear friend that my my. My daughter's godmother, as a matter of fact. Akumar. Akumar Alisa. And uh, we're going to be in Tuscany for her wedding. And then we're going to go to Rome and I think to my father-in-law's town. And every time I've driven in and around Abruzzo, I found Vasto was one of the places that just knocked my socks off. But, you know, Mm -hmm. these little towns out there, uh, Lanciano and places like that, they are just absolutely unexpected gems that you pop in. And, uh, you know, it's just such an undiscovered Wonderful, wonderful place. I really did fall in love with it. I fell in love with Nicole first, but I was thrilled that I could fall in love with her region and uh, and be a part of it. Because my, my father-in-law's town in Pescaceroli is the seat of the national park, and it's just like a little, it almost feels like you're in Switzerland. I mean, it's just magnificent up there. Yeah, it really is. Really, really beautiful. Do you see people going to Basilicata? Basilicata, not so much. Matera is something that is very interesting for people, but the rest of Basilicata is still very undiscovered. And the great thing about these towns, like in the south, if there's people that want to move here and they live in a town that's got less than 20,000 inhabitants in one of the southern regions, they get special tax breaks and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, they're really trying to turn Italy into a fiscal paradise, believe it or not. There's loads of, like, you know, incentives for people wanting to start businesses, digital nomads. It's actually really, really exciting to see the progression that Italy is having um, to try and attract internationals. So, um, yeah, it's great to be here and witness all of that. I saw an interesting article that MIT had created a program with something like 15 to 20 scholars from around the country, and they picked a town, I believe it was in southern Lazio, maybe northern Abruzzo, somewhere like that. But like you've said, this idea of digital nomads and creating a live-work space in some of these beautiful towns that have just, you know, unfortunately been depopulated for a century – And uh, I thought it was really fascinating to think that I've always maintained that if COVID had any positive impact on Italy, it was the idea that a lot of people who have fled to the cities in order to find work from these small towns were forced to go back and learn that, like the rest of the world, you can pay your phone bill online and you can work if the Internet's good enough. And I think that's going to open up a whole new world for Italy in the future. I really do. I really believe that. That was Rieti. So Rieti, which is the province just outside Rome, have the Smart Working Initiative. And also there's one in um, Tuscany as well. I think it's Santa Fiore, where they give like incentives for rent and um, smart working. So, yeah, that's really awesome. And this, as as you say, you know, the one good thing about, you know, the positive about COVID is people now can work remotely. And it's like, why would you want to work in an office when you could be working in Italy? I I can't disagree. (laughs) Yeah, I'd much rather be working out of Italy. I can tell you that much. Yeah, I I mean, you know. 
let me ask you what I mean, if Italy's not going to be your forever home, it's, it's been home for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And you're really on the other side of the world from everybody you left behind. And from what you told us, you're raising kids in Italy. Yeah. What made that happen? What was the spark that made all those things come together in your life? I feel a sense of peace and contentment in Puglia that I've never had. I've lived in four countries around the world. I've lived in big cities. I lived in very chaotic environments, corporate. I have two little boys who I raised by myself and I know that they live, they grew up in a very tranquil environment. It's very safe. And Italy is my forever home. The only thing is quite funny. Um, it, I, when I was giving birth to my second son, the, the director of the gynecology department, he's Neapolitan, he kept calling me the blonde kangaroo. And he <laughs> said to me one morning, he said, tell me, what is it that you miss about Australia? And I said, I miss the food. And he was so angry. He's like, how could you say that you miss the food? I said, no, it's not the quality of the food, it's the variety. So if I could say anything about Puglia is I do miss the variety of different cuisines. However, that's the only thing that I miss about Australia. Puglia, Italy is somewhere I feel completely at home. I've been taken in by the locals and they make me feel like one of them. So, yeah. Do your kids feel like one of them or are they the Australians? Oh, no, they're not Aussies at all. They, don't, they, they speak um, Italian to me. You're part of the fabric now. Yeah. And they're kind of fascinated. Like, why do you want to live here? Is that generally? Oh, they, I get asked so many questions. And then I say, like, oh, my friend down the road, he has a house. Can you help him sell that? And I have this person down the road. Can you find a pro- Can you find a buyer for that? So they're all trying to give me their houses to sell to the foreigners. Yeah, it's nice. You know, you talk about the difference between the cultures. And I almost said the, the difference between Italy and the Western mentality. But let's say the Anglophonic mentality in the you know, U.S., the U.K., Australia. There is a difference in how we treat real estate. And I I think that some of the great success stories we've interviewed, people like yourself who have gone over there and really gotten into the idea of advertising to expats. And it's almost like Italians treat real estate that to the rest of us looks like paradise as uh, so run of the mill. You know, you can get a little two bedroom house in the suburbs here that's advertised like it's the JP Morgan house. And the Italians have these beautiful places that are just sort of... uh, neglected in terms of marketing and do you see that do you see that this is a an issue that they have oh um the subject of home staging is fairly non-existent so this is something that is a, a big gripe for a lot of my my clients it's like you know you see these houses that are there's 10 million pictures of the pope there's the crucifix in every room there's the rosary beads and it's like look if you look beyond all of that and you strip all of that back I mean, you know what? If they got a problem with that, they should stay where they come from. <laughs> <laughs> they really don't belong in that country. Yeah. We don't need Anglophonic people trying to tell us that we can't be us. True. Because they've tried it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. They've condescended to us and told that they should all stay home. We don't need them. I'd rather have an Italy that starves. And I do find the English, particularly, come into Italy with a sense of condescension. So, like, I'm going to live amongst these savages because they cook well. <laughs> but they're um, superstitious and the whole. Yeah, they should stay home. They should all pack up, Nikki. When you tell them, tell them there's people in America thinks that they all should stay in their nice, rainy country or in their Nordic country because the Nordics get freaked out with that stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I could say I, I always look at properties in Italy. I, I have this long term dream that I'm going to end up there. How I get there, who knows? But uh, it is very frustrating when you like, you know, you open up these websites, even if, you know, if you're lucky enough that they're translated into English, you can tell it's a beautiful building, 
but there'll be a picture of like a bucket in the piazza and you know a bedroom with an old bed in it and like you, you have no sense of of the house uh, in totality i mean it's just not done i don't understand it you have these beautiful assets and don't you want to move them you know it's like yeah, but but nikki brings up a good point do we want outsiders trying to upset the italian fabric of life no do we want them to come in and you know i uh, the number one people who really used to get my blood pressure to the roof was the bloggers in the early 2000s. So the English, some they would all come in and they'd start blogging like they were the same colonial mentality when they went to Africa, like they have their pith helmet on <laughs> and they would have to report on, oh, the grandmother and the husband and, and the Nordics are just as bad. And they would come in. You know, one of them went off about, in Positano, there's a tradition. You know the potato donuts, the graffa? Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. Right. Well, they're, they're in, the, in Positano, you know, every little town in Italy has their thing. Right. They have their own little. Yeah. And in Positano, they all have graffa for Christmas morning. And this English blogger is going, I can't believe why these people are here. Their entire Christmas morning is dedicated to these donuts and they're on the beach. I'm like, go home and eat your Christmas cake. You have a medieval, you know, you're, 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 you know, I, I, you think you're that much better? I don't know. I'm getting, she made, but she got me worried now. I don't know if I'm pro Nikki's price <laughs> because now I'm worried that Nikki's bringing in. Yeah, but that's Italy. Nikki's bringing in these wasps. But, I got. I'm watching you, Nikki. I'm watching you. I'm worried. But now. isn't? But isn't that? That's what Italy's done for thousands of years. It's attracted other people who arrived looking for exploitation and end up becoming a part of the Italian stream. I mean, that's what Italy always has done. Everybody that finds their way there ends up Italian, and that's the beauty of yeah, it. Yeah, but you. You got a weakness for England too. I gotta watch you. <laughs> yeah. you. You lived there for a couple know, of years. Michael Collins over here. You kind of like know. that, dressing up with the top hat and what's the horse race? You'll go to that horse Ascot. race with her Britannic Majesty there. Ascot. Oh, I gotta watch. Yeah, gotta yeah, watch. That's your Irish ward leaders coming out. I get nervous. I see England. I see them come, but they they get me very nervous. I get like because I know they want to eat me. Nick, Nikki, let me ask you: What are the countries that are sending the most expats over right now? Americans. Really? Yeah. Because obviously, because of Brexit, that's thrown a massive spanner in the works for the Brits. And so that's kind of put a dampener on them coming if they, you know, wanted to come and, and move here. My clientele is 99% Americans. Aren't they easy going, the Americans, though? Are they easy? I mean, that's the Italians always say that Americans are easy customers, like in hotels and restaurants. Honestly. You can't generalize because it's down to the person. Um, I have some clients who are absolute dream, some more challenging than others, but I guess they have their reasons. Everyone's got their objective as to why they want to be here. Do you get a lot of people that's like they're starting over in life? Like they got divorced, or they had the big breakup, or maybe they lost a parent or they had a death and they're like, I just want to leave it all behind and start over. And because Italy comes up, I mean, one thing Italy advertises is right. It's like the family, right? Family, loving embrace, like even the people that it gets on their nerves with. That's Italy. Do, do you have people who are kind of it's a neat, pray, love? I want to run to this country to heal my wounds. Um, sometimes. And I do tell them the likelihood of finding Marcello on the beach is pretty slim. <laughs> yeah, but you might find Antonio, who's 55, <laughs> all the way. And he's living with the mother. She can move in with the mother. The mother will cook for her. Curse her under her breath, iron her underwear, That's right? True. Why did my son wind up with this girl when she had the nice girl down the block she should have married, you know? Exactly. No, to be honest, most of my clients um, buy here to invest and they buy, you know, I help them buy a property that's going to generate them a good income and, you know, from a, like a holiday rental perspective and it helps fund their own trips. That's pretty much, you know, I don't really deal with so many clients that want to move here permanently, 
um, about 90% of my clients want to invest here. I have like a little bolt hole to get away from corporate America or, and um, just to, to come here and, and, and chill out and live a good life. I got to ask you another question because we've seen this. Italy has, I, I would call it the Italian millennial generation. Mm-hmm. The ones who speak English, I call it the more with it generation. Mm-hmm. Do you find that they're more adept to providing the kind of services that Anglophonic, like the Australians and Canadian people are looking for? Like, I'll never forget the first time I saw a takeout pizza in Italy. And it was about the year 2000, 10 years before they would have locked you up in jail if you had suggested taking pizza in a cardboard box to your home. <laughs> and then they kind of did it and they kind of acted like they never said that before. It was like a pizza box gaslighting. <laughs> I was like 10 years ago, you would have locked people up for no, no, no. Do you see those kind of services like food delivery, take out food, pick up dry cleaning? Do you see that kind of stuff that we have just got? What's it called? Not Uber Eats, because we don't even have Uber here. And that's a, a, a question I get asked all the time. Um, just delivery or something similar to Uber Eats has just arrived. And that's really exciting for people. Like for me, it's it's nothing new because, you know, in Australia we have that and the UK have that quite a lot. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of just launched per se. You see, you know, speak of those like Uber Eats and stuff and all these disruptive technologies. Are you seeing an impact? You, you mentioned most of your clients are people investing. They want to use it to fund their, their own travels. Mm-hmm. Are the Airbnbs of the universe, are they being well used in Italy? Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, holiday rental, the holiday rental industry is was booming even before the pandemic because people wanted to have a home away from home environment. They want to have a, a kitchen they can cook. They don't want to be in a hotel with strangers. Now, not just uh, internationals, but even people down in Milan, up in Milan and, and, and bigger towns, they want to invest in country homes. Wow. Nikki, you know what somebody said to me in the Val di Diano? Because John and I both have roots in the Val di Diano. A lot of them went to New York mm-hmm. from that area of Salerno. Because it triggered me when you said that. You know when, they, when an Italian says something really deep and you never see it coming? Mm-hmm. It's a very mundane conversation. And then this very like Dante-esque philosophical bomb comes out of nowhere. So we were talking about just the, the poverty of the South. Mm-hmm. I got to ask them for a restaurant. This is how this goes. You get this because you live in Italy. We had a conversation on where it was a good place to eat, and somehow it wound up talking about the lack of industrialization in the South. He goes, we missed out on industrialization, and that put us back for about 100 years. He said, but look around how green and pristine this area is. Mm-hmm. He goes, in a post-industrial world, we're going to have a big advantage because we're not going to be left with all the um, remains. Let's say an abandoned factory. We'd say in the States, a rust belt. We're not going to be left with all the industrial waste of the industrial age in a post-industrial world. And that's what's going to make us attractive, that we're still like green, I guess you'd say, like we're still natural and we're still authentic. And I was like, wow, I came for a restaurant recommendation. I walked away with this little nugget of genius, really genius. I don't know why I told you that, Nikki. I just thought that was interesting. That's the appeal, isn't it? I mean... People come here because they want something different. They don't, they want to, they want to feel like they're, you know, in, in tune with something rustic and something that's authentic. And, you know, that's why people do come here. It's a complete polar opposite to what they're used to. Let me ask you another question. Do you yeah. see, because the South was so beat up, the self-esteem of the South. Do you see outside people moving into that part of Puglia kind of reinvigorating the locals pride in the town and their tradition and their food and what makes them them. Do you see it as like a shot in the arm a little bit? 
I mean, I feel like everywhere in Italy has a pride in the local traditions. Like you see that in any any region that you go to. Oh, sure, sure. I'm saying like the whole country does, but I'm saying like the South was depopulated for so long, uh-huh. right? Uh, you go to some towns in the South and they look medieval because that was the last time they had an economic boom. You know, so you go there and wow, you still have your tower from 1436. That was the last building project we really had. Ah, like the towns at Tumka. Yeah, it is very much like that. We, we went we went out for dinner last night. We were in um we were in a place called Carpignano Salentino, which is near Otranto, and we got a recommendation for a restaurant. And as we're driving to this place, there was potholes everywhere. It looked like you know a bomb had gone off in a couple of the, the streets. Like it was literally like down and out. We're like, do we really want to stop here? We're only here for four nights. We should just like make an excuse and, and drive on. And then we parked the car. We got out and we had the best freaking meal of our lives. What'd you have? I don't even know how to describe it. It was a, like, it was so incredible. I don't eat fish and they all ate fish, but we had these like fusion tasting dishes and there was like one after the other. And they were like loving our reactions. They're like, oh my God, I'm now watching us enjoy this food. And it was like such a, it was like a lucky dip. It was like, you just didn't know what was going to come next. And each dish was better than the next. That's the beauty of Italy. No matter what goes wrong, there's always lunch. Yes. On the most aggravating day, there's still lunch. And we paid like 50 euros each for like so many bottles of wine and like four or five courses of dinner. We're like, this is insane. Like if this was in Australia, you'd be paying hundreds each. I mean, like it was just, and we were so blessed and grateful to have this experience in this town where there was like not even a main drag. There was like two shops and that was it. Yeah, I see that. I mean, that's from an outside looking in. I see that as the best benefit. Yeah. You see the pride of the people growing mm-hmm. that you know that are we an economically depressed town are we a, a possibility for development mm-hmm. in, a, in a tourist sense summer's here in full swing and we want to know how you italian american for the season the italian american podcast is partnering with media set italia for an exciting giveaway just snap a pic of your most italian american moment this summer post it to instagram and you could win an exclusive Mediaset Italia picnic pack. The picnic pack includes a portable blanket, picnic basket, cheese board, plates, utensils, stackable wine goblets, and a wine opener. Everything you need for an aperitivo picnic under the sun. How do you get your chance to win? It's easy. Just capture what Italian summer means to you and post your picture to Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at Italian American and at Mediaset Italia USA. Then tag both accounts in your post. Don't forget to use the hashtag #IHeartMediasetItalia so we can find it. Post your pictures between now and September 21st, and we'll pick 20 lucky listeners to receive their picnic pack in the mail. Open to residents of the continental United States. Visit Instagram at Mediaset Italia for more information, terms, and conditions. I mean, Puglia definitely has that kind of mentality of, you know, development from a tourist sense. They can make money on anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Told, we, we grew up, they can make money on anything. Yeah. Campania is not organized. Campania is meatballs flying across the room. Casa Caval flying across the room. <laughs> Puglia's got its acting. I think that's what, you know, the Neapolitan-Sicilian rivalry really should have been Neapolitan-Puglia. Yeah, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, they're more they got their act together. Yeah. I mean, Sicily's got a lot of dysfunction, too, but Puglia's kind of got its act together. It's, it's got its act together. It does. I mean, their oil is like the best olive oil in the world. The oil is insane. But I mean, 
and I don't want to offend anyone from Puglia who's listening, who has Puglian roots, but the Provola Fumicata in Campania, there's nothing like it. Oh, yeah, we do cheese pretty good out of there. <laughs> the mozzarella bufala in Campania is the number one. Yeah, but now, let's, you know, Puglia plays a game too. Now they're trying to do the burrata thing. <laughs> yes, they, right. couldn't, they couldn't beat us at mozzarella, and now they're trying. They'll never beat us. Of course they'll never beat us. I mean, that, that's just silly. No. Them trying to beat Campania's, that's like a, that's, you know, all due respect, that's like silly. I mean, the good thing yeah. Ro's not here. Would Ro defend us? I don't know if Ro, I, Ro defend Burrata. That's a good question. Burrata is amazing, but is it Provola Fumicata? Hell no. No, no. My grandmother's family was actually in that business way back when. Oh, really? Yeah, you're cheese yeah, people, Yeah, right? Mozart, cheese, but yeah. Butirara is the Nabudan word. Butirara. Can you believe there's people still listening to this? <laughs> Nikki, why would anybody listen to us? It happens. I mean, you're stuck here. You're like, when is these people going to shut up? I got to go. <laughs> The kids probably want to eat. They just keep talking. Oh, no, I'm, I'm on holiday without the kids at the moment. So uh, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See, we're Italian. We worry about the kids eating. It's almost <laughs> 8 o'clock in Italy. <laughs> our mama send by mama. Our father send by mama. But this is what Italy is. Like, you know, you one region's where your favorite cheese is. The next place where your favorite beach is. I mean, that's why I admire the project you guys have taken on. This My Italy. Because I have been convinced from my earliest days active in this community that everybody has something different that attaches them to either their heritage or Italy. If they're not Italian, it just says as Italophiles. I mean, that that's something for everybody. See, the, the saddest thing for me is, and I, I imagine must frustrate you, Nikki, is Italy's lack of commitment to infrastructure. Like the roads, you know, there's no public transportation. Just little things, you know. Um, you know, potholes that never get fixed. You know, the Chilento has phenomenal hiking, but, you know, they don't clear the, the, the trails. You know, so many people want to bring in tourism. But, you know, Italy, especially bureaucratic Italy, does such a good job of shooting itself in the foot. Do you ever have those moments? You just want to pull your hair out? Every time I go to the post office, I literally, I'm like, get, the rage comes out. And then... Joe, it's Joe Afadi. What is it with Australians in the Italian post office? You notice? <laughs> It's like a national crusade. No, it's a post office. It's a thing around the world. Every post office, it's like there's something about going to a post office. However, you stand in line at the post office, you want to rip your own arm off, and then you walk outside, and then you see this beautiful Baroque church. You're like, ah, this is why I'm here. You sit in the piazza. You have a crema cafe. Ah, this is why I'm here. So you take the good with the bad. You know why I want to go to Australia? I've never been to Australia now because I want to see your post office. Because every Australian I know who spends time in Italy complains about the post office. You must have like, they must be like the Ritz. Every Australian, I went to the post office, horrible. But you know what though? Nikki makes an amazing point. If Italy's frustrations are like a natural agita, Italy is also a country where everywhere you turn, there's antacid, right? I mean, there's brioschi everywhere in the visual, in the culinary, in the conversational, in the art and the music and the in the weather and nature. So as frustrated as you get, like you say, you depart and it just gets settled back down by the. But see, the problem Nikki has is Nikki doesn't have a cousin who works in the post office. <laughs> That's very That's true. Because the- then Nikki would go to the aunt, sit down on Adze, call the cousin. So then, then um, somebody was it Beppe Severino? Not what's his name? Yeah, the one who writes the Corriere della Sera. Severini, right? Severini, the one who wrote Chalitai. He wrote the great. The man, I would love to have him on the podcast. The man's brilliant. He is brilliant. And he wrote that. Why does Italy have such difficulty in lending money through mortgages? He goes, it's not an accident. He goes because you have to come to your family for money to buy the house, and that builds the strength because your aunt who never got married and never had kids. She lends you the money to buy the house. 
And now you got to see her every Sunday. <laughs> That's so true. Right. It's an obligation. So now you got a dysfunctional post office. Nikki makes friends with the neighbor, the neighbor who has an aunt, who has a friend whose son works in the post office. Right. They uh, she goes over somebody's house to give her eggplant to get the postal thing fixed. Then they need the kid needs help with English homework. They go to her like Italy oh. needs dysfunctional <laughs> post offices because that makes Nikki needy of the community. Wow. And in, in an Anglo-Saxon world, she would just go mail her letter. Wow. Right. So now they help her get the package to Australia. She helps the kid learn English. You know, that's how we built these comuna up. This is how. And then they start into marrying and then you have a you have a país. That's how it works. It's true, but no one wants to learn English from me because I learn Aussie slangs. <laughs> oh, you think it's better the English teachers in Italy? Have you ever heard a native Italian English teacher? We they speak. Have. Do you I... know the trousers? <laughs> the trousers. <laughs> I put on the trousers. <laughs> I had. A, I'm not going to name names or towns, but I had a, a Italian-born English teacher sit me down. He's like, "You speak English," and he had a whole list of dirty American words. <laughs> that he wanted me to break down into Italian. What, how to use a dirty word correctly. They're like really raunchy, dirty words. Like how, I, I don't want, I mean, for the kids, the people driving around with their kids right now, it's like, how do you use these? But he tried, he packaged it in a very academic sense. This is the dirty word. To be a proficient teacher of the English <laughs> language, I must understand how this word is correctly used. But Italy's so much better when you learn Italian anyway. It really is. I mean, it's you talk about a levels and levels of depth that you get to. True. This is the beauty of the whole place. There's so much to love in Italy, so many different places, so many diverse experiences. So, Nikki, as we wrap up, tell us about how our audience can get involved. Just explain one more time. Yeah. On August 5th, yep. everybody's going to start posting. On August 5th, everyone's going to start posting. You want to go to um, Instagram, so at my Italy campaign. And we want you to do like a little video, um, just sharing what Italy means to you. I would love for all of you guys at the Italian American podcast to get involved and share as well. Ask your followers to share what Italy means to them and tag my Italy campaign. And we're going to reshare it onto our Instagram page. And the aim is to create this beautiful momentum of positivity for Italy. So from the 5th of August, 9am EST is when we kick off. Um, start following My Italy campaign on Instagram now and we will be keeping everyone up to date over the next week as to a countdown when you can start to post and from the 5th we are going live. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing all of your videos as well. And you got, and you got a magazine you created as well. Yes. How can our audience access that? Okay, so I have a magazine called La Dolce Vita Lifestyle Magazine. So that is um, also on Instagram at La Dolce Vita Lifestyle Magazine or go to www.ladolcevitalifestylemagazine.com. Basically, how this came about was when the pandemic struck, I had a lot of my clients that wanted to buy property in Italy and they couldn't come here because they couldn't travel. So I started the first kind of real estate kind of newsletter bringing the best properties to people in their inbox every single week. And that kind of evolved into this lifestyle magazine with articles on cooking, culture, travel, investing, everything, architecture, design, and, you know, the best properties every single week that I pick myself that are ready to rent, turnkey, ready to generate an income. But Italy needs you, Nikki. Yeah. Italy really needs No, seriously, Italy needs you because... They need the bridge. Yeah. 
you know, like they make, you know, you went to that little, that little town. I forget the place you said you were, and you, you, you know, you have this phenomenal meal for 50 euro. Yep. But they don't, they, what they really lack is they don't know how to get the message out there. Yes. So if you want to come by the house, you have to come here. Well, it's a pandemic. Well, then you can't buy the house. I'll bring the house to you. <laughs> and you bring that, but that's such a foreign concept to attend. That's like sprouting wings and flying to the moon. <laughs> that's that's a completely, yeah. that's like, it can't, and you know, Italy is a country of no, it can't be done. We've never done it. I'm a solutions, Carol. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that, and what I'm saying is that Italy needs that. Yeah. Italy needs somebody that comes in and says, okay, this is way out of your wheelhouse because you're just obstinate with certain things. And I'm going to do it. You'll get your money. And they love that. They love the, it's a cash country, right? They love that. Yeah. Also, you know, a Zimari's house that hasn't been occupied since 1952. And, you know, that that's, and I see stuff like this and I say, maybe, the, you know, I, I enjoy being pessimistic. It's who I am as a person. And then people like you ruin it for me because you, you open up the curtain. And I see light coming in. <laughs> so, you know. Don't burst Pat's <laughs> bubble of pessimism. I've learned that. Don't burst my bubble. You know, it's another thing too, is that, you know, people outside of Italy who don't get Italy, so many of these towns have abandoned city centers mm-hmm. because people made money and built beautiful new houses outside the city center. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of these houses from 1734 are not the most comfortable houses to live in unless you put a lot of money in and a lot of restoration. And, you know, and you need it. It, it takes a, what's the word? Hillary Clinton says it takes a village. It doesn't take a village. It takes commitment. It takes a Nikki. Yeah. It takes a Nikki. It takes someone oh, to make that happen. <laughs> so towns like Zambuca. So I wish you the uh, John. See, John wants me to get off now because I'll talk for three hours and he doesn't want to edit for three hours. <laughs> so now, now, I, like I now know he starts to get off. Like time to go, Pop. Come on, I'm getting out the wheelchair. He's moving me along. But Patrick, I hope you're a, hoot. you're a hoot. You really are. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you very much. <laughs> Keep those anti-papers out. Oh, the papers on the wall. I'm watching you, Nikki. I'm watching you. 5,000 Virgin Marys on the wall, and they start to make comments. Southern State back in Gloucestershire, wherever they're from, where it rains all day long. But that being said, yeah, we should stop and see Nikki when we're in. We got to do an Italy tour now this is over. Yes, we do. We do. And oh, see all the yeah. people that we interviewed, and then I'll bring stretchy pants, and we can eat and enjoy ourselves. Well, I just heard from Nick Fideli yesterday night that uh, – he may want to help put together a, another pilgrimage to Puglia in December. So maybe we'll have an excuse to meet. Oh, Nikki. my God. That'd be amazing. Where does he want to go? Gargano? No, he wants to go to uh, for St. Nicholas. His own Omastic. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. We went to Body First. Not the May St. Nicholas, the December. Oh, it was fantastic. You know why? Because it was the old Italy. There was no tourists. Yeah, it was amazing. It was one of the best weeks of my life. We had. They were fine. They called Zapel a Pedula. With the hot chocolate, we had, we had a good amazing. time. Puglia is a great place, and and it- is a great Mofetta. I grew up around Mofetta people. They were surrounding me everywhere I looked growing up. There's a lot of towns. I mean, it, there's so many different places to go and see. It's so beautiful, and it's beauty up and down Italy. And Pat's right, Nikki. Thank you for your love and commitment for it. As uh, as sons of its diaspora, we really we owe you one. And uh, the best way we can return that favor is to say to everybody out there in the audience who feels a passion for this place, join in the My Italy campaign. Tell us and tell the world why you love this place so much, because uh, it sometimes does take the commitment of those of us outside to remind even Italy how wonderful of a place it is. So, Nikki, thank you for the good work and thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure and uh, we we're happy to have you back anytime. We hope we see you in December, God willing, if we I make love it out. That. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. So for everybody out there, make sure My Italy campaign, August 5th, that's my feast, the Feast of Lady of the Snow, make a point. Get a video and uh, and join in this great movement. And share get your followers to do the same. Yes, and make sure everybody out there is doing the same. So we hope you've enjoyed. We hope you're going to do it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. 
<laughs> oh, fuck. Hold on. <laughs> I can't even play a gazoo. You know, Nikki, they threw me out of music school. I went as an adult. I went for six mandolin lessons. The guy said, get out of here. You're wasting my time. So I got a gazoo. I said, how could I screw up a gazoo? And I still can't even get the gazoo right. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that. And I bought the Stradivarius of gazoos. This is an American-made gazoo. <laughs>